Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome, you ideas. Today's another day to change the world, another opportunity to make a difference. Today's interview is with Michael and Bonnie, and they are baby boomers who have committed to building the next set of global leaders. And they've put together so much valuable information into several pieces of content, into book format, into, you know, videos and into audio format. And they decided to come on the podcast to really share everything they've learned. They've built a tremendous brand, a brand that has transcended generations and also different cultures. And so they're distilling everything that they have in one book. We'll talk about that book. But they also, more importantly, give tips for our generation, millennials and younger, to really step into the world and be armed with the right tools so that we can be the true change makers that we know that we can be. Would love to hear your thoughts on the episode, so if you want to leave a review, let me know. You can reach out to me on social at Ty Roxon. That's my moniker everywhere on social. Look forward to hearing from you. But till then, enjoy the episode. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's episode is with Michael Houlihan and Bunny Harvey. They are international keynote speakers and New York Times best-selling authors of Barefoot Spirit, How Hardship, Hustle, and Heart Built America's Number One Wine Brand. They've also written other books. One of them is The Entrepreneurial Culture, 23 Ways to Engage and Empower Your People. From humble beginnings in a laundry room of a rented farmhouse to the boardroom of their acquire the world's largest wine company, E&J Gallo, they learn lessons applicable to any business. And now today, they've been gracious enough to share all these lessons so that we can build the next generation of global leaders and also the next generation of entrepreneurs. Welcome to the show, Michael and Bonnie. Thank you, Tayo. We are delighted to be here. Pleasure is mine. <laughs> it's, I guess we'll, we'll do ladies first, but why don't you start off with your backgrounds and then we'll dive into some of the principles of your amazing book. Oh, gosh, our background. Well, I learned a lot about businesses when I had my own company that helped to organize offices and businesses for very small companies. 
And when I was doing that, I'd learned um, that I had a grape grower who wasn't paid for his grapes. I was uh, organizing his office and taking a look at his payables and receivables, and he had a $300,000 receivable that he hadn't collected on. And uh, I learned that a lot of businesses will start because the business owner has a fabulous idea, but they don't necessarily know how to organize their books. So that is my general background, and that's what um, we got started in the wine industry when I found out my client had a debt that needed to be collected. Wow. And, yeah, and my background uh, was uh, I was a consultant, but not in the wine industry. I, was help I used to work for the federal government of all places, and in doing so, I learned a lot about how government basically doesn't work. And I learned about how hard it is to get things through, like permits and approvals and whatnot. And so I helped people get things through the government, whether it was to subdivide their property or, you know, refinance their loan or, you know, get get the SBA to help them out, that kind of thing. So that was my background. Wow. And then how did you, how did you both meet and decide to work together? Oh, well, we met in the lovely wine country of Sonoma County. Mm. And we met at a hot rock and roll club. <laughs> I've got to hear this. <laughs> and uh, this handsome gentleman came up to me as I went through the front door. And he says, I bet you want a drink. And I said, yeah, that would be nice. And he said, well, you look around and see if there's anybody here you'd rather be with than me. And I'll be right back with your drink. So I proceeded to do so, and he came back to where he'd left me, and, well, of course, I wasn't there any longer. So he had to hunt me down, and um, I haven't let him go since. <laughs> wow. Look at that. First of all, congrats, Michael. That's quite the line. You know, I'm still still a single guy, so any, any tips you have? Oh, no, it sounds like confidence was there, and you – Oh my goodness, Bonnie! You 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 definitely don't make things easy. <laughs> no, she, she made it hard right from the beginning because I said, you know, what what would you like to drink? And she says, well, I'll have a uh, a cherry coke, thank you. And then she says, two cherries. And I thought to myself, this is going to be a long night. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it! And then obviously you you are you know you decided to be together. When did you decide to work together uh, as business partners? Well, we talked about it from the very beginning, really. We thought that would be an ideal situation. Meanwhile, we pursued our own careers here in Sonoma County. And because this is the wine country, a lot of our clients were in the wine industry. So we shared uh, a lot of uh, information about the clients and, and such. And it just seemed to kind of naturally flow together, particularly when we both worked on that same giant project that got us into uh, Barefoot Wines, yeah. which was the collecting of that debt for $300,000 worth of grapes. Yeah. So and, uh, Bonnie was Bonnie is to blame for Barefoot. There's no question <laughs> about it. <laughs> well, then uh, thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. And thank you, uh, both of you, for actually making this happen. So Barefoot, you talked about it there. What is Barefoot and what is the whole uh, brand about? Well, you know, when I went to collect the debt, because Bonnie said, you know, hey, Michael, uh, you know how to work with people and negotiate. You know, I've got a client who's owed 300 large 
you know, would you go negotiate a deal? And so I went. And of course, the day I got there, they had just declared a Chapter 11 bankruptcy. So it did not look good for the home team. And I didn't know what to do, but I went through with the meeting. And as a result of the meeting, I was able to talk them into trading goods and services for wine instead of money. So I went back to Bonnie and I said, hey, we got goods and services instead of and money. You know, what are we going to do with that? Hmm, man. Look at that. And then and obviously then you started to build this brand. Did you write the book right after or did you just because now Barefoot isn't just I know you started from the, from that collecting that debt, but now it's become a movement almost. You know, you have a whole website, you have a best selling book about it, and you turned it into where lessons where you can talk about how hardship, hustle, and heart it's built uh, a lot of uh, America's companies. So I'm just curious as to that path to making this become something larger than what it was when you initially started? Well, that's that's really an excellent question, uh, Tayo. And the answer is it really was a movement to start with because Michael and I weren't in the wine industry. We really um, came from a totally different direction, and the direction we were coming from was supporting the land and supporting conservation efforts and nonprofits and equal rights um, and these were all important issues to us. And so we continued to support those issues. And we had a product, which happened to be wine, because that's what we traded for, bottling services and bulk wine. And um, we continued to push our ideas working with nonprofits. And that was our marketing plan. So we really started off with uh, a mission of, making the world a better place. And in this case, we were doing it through wine because that was our product. Yeah, no, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And for those listening, I know a lot, of, a lot of people listening aspire to have businesses, aspire to be part of movements. It is possible to have both be the case. You know, you can have a business and have a movement. And it doesn't matter what it is that your business is. It's, it matters, you know, what your, your heart is and how much work you put into that. So let's talk about the lessons. Let's unpack the book here. You... You, you. Uh, before we got on the show to start recording, both of you alluded to the fact that you've been on several stages. Your average uh, audience age is 24, and a lot of times they have a lot of questions about starting the business, and you feel like the lessons in this book, the lessons in all the over 300 blogs and articles you've written are things that my generation and the younger generation need to know from the beginning. So what do we need to know before we start businesses? Well, the first thing you need to know is that you don't know enough. <laughs> okay. You'd better learn some more things before you go out there and decide to fail fast, because that's exactly what's going to happen. And as you start scaling big, you're going to be scaling. Your failing. your failures are going to be larger as well. So learn the foundation. Put your bare feet on the ground and get a good foundation of guiding principles for success. You need GPS. Guiding principles for success. Before you run out there and, and decide to blow all your your investors' money by expanding when you don't know how to take care of the market right around your own neighborhood, that's what you need to learn first. And you'll learn so much that then you'll be prepared when you take your show on the road. You know, I think the biggest question, you know, we get two questions all the time. Uh, one is, what keeps you going when you run into the wall? Okay. Um, and uh, the other question, which is kind of related, is, uh, you know, how do you guys handle the unknown? 
And of course, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to handle both things, right? You have to pick yourself up when you get knocked down and you've got to be prepared for the unknown. Well, if you're a sea captain, you don't go out into the ocean without sonar, radar, GPS, maybe a sextant, a compass, a few other devices and tools and maps because you are going into the unknown and you'd better check the weather and the currents and all this stuff so that you can get your ship across the ocean into port. And, you know, entrepreneurship is really not a whole lot different than being the captain of a real ship. So what we advise young people to do is to load up on the tools that can help them handle the unknown. And as far as what keeps you going, find those early adapters who said, you know, that's a great idea. We really love your idea. And and call them up every once in a while and say, hey, I just got knocked on my tuchus and I, I really need to have a boost right now. Can you tell me again why you like my idea so much? <laughs> I, I mean, it's crazy, but it really helps. Yeah. No. And, and you know, if I could even take that point a, a little further. So for you know, someone like, uh, uh, you know, people like what we do, you can create newsletters, right? A lot of times we have podcasts and newsletters where a lot of your first early fans are the ones that you can always check in uh, to get reminders. Sometimes I, whenever I'm feeling down, I look back at those early emails that I got and yes. they, they were like, yeah, thank you for the episode. Thank you for writing that. Thank you. This is something I've always felt alone. And thank you for that. So maybe it's reverse engineering what you're saying a little bit, but there are moments when, I need those uh, reminders to remind me of why I'm doing what I'm doing and what the purpose is in the first place. Yeah. Excellent. Wonderful, yes, it wonderful. works, doesn't it, Tyler? Yeah, it does, it does, it does. Now, thank you so much for that. So well, then it, it, we were talking also earlier, you have ideas on why 90% of new entrepreneurs fail. Why? Well, when they start off, they think that they have such a fabulous product or service that everybody needs and everybody wants and everybody that they know that they've shown it to thinks it's just fabulous. That's that's it. Well, it very well may be. However, getting it to market is a whole different story. And just because you've got a wonderful product or service doesn't mean that you can get it to the shelf and keep it there or you can't get it to the people that need it the most. That's the problem. People think that their idea is so great that it will sell. No, it won't sell. You've got to go out there and sell it. That's the biggest problem that young companies have, that young entrepreneurs have. Yeah, and another problem that we see all the time is they become fixated with money. They think, oh, I, you know, my, I, I need to get finance. I need to get my plan financed. So then they do get their business plan financed, and they think that somehow it's been blessed by the Pope because they got financing. And surely the financiers know what they're doing. <laughs> what a big, that's a big mistake. The financiers are just gamblers. They're, they're investing in 25 businesses just to get one unicorn. And if a business fails, they just take it in the chin and they just say, well, that's the odds. But that might be your business. So the idea here is it's not about financing. Right. It's it's really about starting small and, you know, understanding who your customer is 
you know, get two or three customers, service the hell out of them, and find out what their mistakes, what your mistakes are. Make your mistakes in a small place where you can run around hat in hand and apologize to everybody and learn the lessons that are specific to your business because your financier is not going to teach you those lessons. You're going to learn those lessons when you get out there on the pavement and really start dealing with people. Being resourceful is essential for any company and particularly when you're starting off. Many people, they don't understand what their resources are. Well, I'll tell you what, our resources were our accounts payable. Our resources were our accounts receivable. Our resources were our family, our laundry room. Those were our resources. Plus, the biggest resource of all is always what you've got between your ears. It's your own experience and it's your own knowledge. But we used our accounts payable. These are the companies that supplied us with with our major glass and corks, foils, labels, wine, all of our supplies, they would benefit if we grew because we'd be buying more of that. These are strategic uh, allies, and we worked with them to grow. And the way they worked with us was they gave us extended terms. They told us what they could give us at discounted rates. And why did they do that? They trusted us. Why did they trust us? Because we had meetings with them on a monthly basis, and we told them what our challenges were, what our opportunities were, and how they fit into the picture. This is all communication. It's all building good relationships. And because we built those relationships, we didn't need to borrow money. We worked with our suppliers to get extended terms. Uh, Now, there's a resource to really look at. We like to say, if they don't like you, you better get out your wallet. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I'm listening to you two talking, and it's, it's a good reminder that hard work doesn't just automatically fade away once someone finances your idea. I mean, I mean, you have to push your idea. You have to constantly work and hone in your skills and develop your expertise and, and commit to doing the work because that's how you become a thought leader. That's how you become someone that people can buy into if you really know your stuff and you don't have to rest on your laurels just because you have some modicum of success. Oh, exactly. And for us, because we had a product that was on the shelf, we had to go through distributors and retailers. And um, another major problem, any company that's starting off, they say, oh, my product will be sold at retail. Oh, well, that's great. That means going through a distributor and a retailer to get it on on the shelf so the end user can pick it up. But anybody that assumes that your problems are over when the distributor takes your problem, or take, yeah, takes your problem, takes your product, <laughs> um, is, is very much mistaken because now you have to learn everything that distributor does and be prepared to do it. Same thing with the retailer. When the retailer has your product, that's when your problems begin because now you can be discontinued from that chain store if you're not alert and you don't know what to do. But if you know what it takes, we found 23 ways that our product wouldn't sell. None of them had to do with the the quality of the product or the price. Hmm. They could have – we could have had the same problem if we were selling a can of beans. Those 23 ways that had nothing to do with what we were offering. But if we didn't discover those, our product wasn't going to sell. It wasn't even going to make it to the shelf. Yeah, a lot of reasons that business fail is because they buy into very popular misconceptions about the marketplace. 
You know, like for instance, uh, we we live in a first world country. You go into a store, and I don't care whether you're buying, you know, any product at all. If you're, if you're buying hardware, if you're buying clothes, if you're whatever you're buying, and it's packed. I mean, all the shelves are filled, and it looks like you see all this stuff, and it's all pushed up in your face. Well, you don't realize what goes on behind those shelves. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, I'll just sell it online. But, you know, the Department of Commerce of the United States federal government says that 90% of products are still sold in bricks and mortar. And that's for a good reason. They're too cheap to have delivered to your house. And there's too many of them. Or they're too heavy. Or they're too heavy mm. because that increases delivery. I mean, the, the reason that... Uh, that Amazon uh, bought Whole Foods is so that they could have a place where people could pick up their Amazon packages, sort of make, meet you halfway type deal. Right. And they also like the idea of the foot traffic. So there's some old fashioned ideas here, like foot traffic that aren't going to go away very quick. Classic ideas. Yeah. Classic. classic. Sort of like, yeah, we, we, we got, we're, we're talking about the difference between retro and classic. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was about to segue into that, but please go ahead, take it away. What is the difference between retro and classic? Well, retro is kind of like if you go to a party and somebody's dressed in a 1920s costume, you know, like our, you know, I'm Michael and she's Bonnie, so let's just say Bonnie and Clyde, right? <laughs> and so he's got the he's got the machine gun in the in the suitcase, and you know she's wearing the flapper era outfit. Okay, that's retro. Now the Roman Empire. That's classic, okay? It never goes out of style. Like your real estate laws and most of your torts and stuff that run this country and other countries, they come straight from the Roman Empire. And so you have to say... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To yourself, oh my God, you know, in the Greeks, right? With all of the stuff they developed in geometry and everything, and the Arabs with everything they developed with the numbers and everything. This is classic knowledge. It doesn't go out of style. <laughs> and so the question is, can young people tell the difference between stuff that is true, as true as gravity, right, and stuff that is just a passing fad or a fancy or seems to be trending? And so that's the key is, is to identify those principles and standards that are classic. Our favorite classic standard uh, guiding principles for success our number one guiding principle is put yourself in the other guy's shoes. 
Right. It's understand where this person's coming from, what their needs are, what is their form of communication, what do you need from them to move your noodle along, to get it on to the next phase, and work with them. Put yourself in the other guy's shoes or do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. That's classic. Perspective yeah. taken. And let me let me guess, classic doesn't go out of style. No, it doesn't, <laughs> and, that, and that's why. And that's Neither why. Neither does gravity. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that that's like you know we talk about relationships and the fundamental you know uh, root of all relationships is communications and uh, empathy. And yes. so if you if you if you have empathy for the other person, it doesn't matter you know, where they are in the world. But if you if you take the time to research them and their issues and you start talking about them and their issues before you bring up your issues, you're going to make a friend. You're going to make a bond. And now you're going to open the channel for communication. Yeah. And, and that is the key, one of the big keys. You know, when young people, I think, and I guess this is a segue too, uh, I think that social networking has actually wrecked social skills now social skills like you walk up to a total stranger right you don't have a phone in front of you you're not texting them you're not going through a social network but you're saying hello to them and you're you're taking it from go away to gee i really want to get to know you you know how does that happen um we've spoken at 50 schools that teach entrepreneurship around the united states and only one of them teaches actual sales now they teach sales management, they teach, uh, they teach sales analysis, sales projections, and all this stuff, but they don't teach, get out of my office to, I'll take three truckloads, because that's sales. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, the reason this podcast started, it's called It's Told by Nomads, is I, I wanted to build this, this bridge. I saw that we live in the most globalized time ever. And we, we also have a lot of digital divide. And I wanted to bridge the divide that, that existed where people didn't know how to connect across cultures and people didn't know how to connect digitally. And so I love exactly what you're saying because, you know, I'm a Nigerian who happens to be here and just travel a little bit. But empathy and perspective taken are two key things that I found are, are necessary, not just for entrepreneurs, but for people to become leaders. Exactly, and it's worldwide. It's a worldwide need. Absolutely. I really have a lot of appreciation for what you're doing, Ty. Yeah, yeah, amen to that. You know, what's really interesting about what you're talking about right here is that we've spoken up uh, in New England, you know, at the Ivy League schools, and, and they're, they're, they have courses on entrepreneurship and degrees on entrepreneurship. And when we get, you know, one-to-one with these students, they say, tell me, what else should I be taking besides business classes in order to be a successful entrepreneur? And we say, well, you know, why don't you take a look at things like world culture, mm. history, history of the world, religions of the world. Why don't you take a look at psychology, philosophy? Why don't you take a look at communication and literature? Because these are the soft skills that are going to turn into hard cash for you. Mm. Yeah, no, history, psychology, uh, and culture, those are geography. Those are great things for sure. And even, even if you look out, you look throughout history, you know, a lot of times, uh, I'm going to ask you this at the end of the, the interview, but, but my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. That's why I do what I do. So 
throughout history, a lot of times the reason for conflict is because of something that's been different from them. Someone yeah. didn't like your religion. Someone didn't think you looked this way. Someone didn't like your gender or anything, or you're from a different tribe, or you don't have support the right team, whatever. It's always been because of someone's lack of ability to either appreciate or understand something that's different from them. And so history has countless lessons of what resulted as a result of people not doing that. And so, you know, people always, there's a popular saying, history repeats itself, you know, all the time if you, if you, if you don't study it. But that's, that's exactly why I think history is something that needs to be honed in on right now. And then you couple that with psychology, understanding the mind and how people think why you need to, you know, n- not apply one size fits all for different cultures. I think that's what the world needs right now. I mean, we're seeing the effect yes. of not, of lack of uh, empathetic leaders across the board. <laughs> yeah, and this is what's bad about isolationism and isolationist thinking. And it's because, you know, when you grow up in a cosmopolitan town like I did in San Francisco, you know, it's a world trade center. So you walk down the street and there's people from Asia, there's people from Africa, there's people from South America. And when you grow up in that environment and you go into business in that environment, you don't think, whoa, this is an African, this is an Asian. You don't think like that. You say, this is my customer. Right. You know, how, how, am, how can I provide service to my customer today? And what do you care? Money is all the same color. It's green. So it turns out that it's actually good business to learn these lessons and learn these soft skills so that you can appreciate more people and bring them into your clientele. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love the mission you two are on. And it's 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 incredible. I'm sure you've you've done a lot of uh work to inspire the youth. But what are you doing specifically to improve the success rate of new startups? Well, we have a new movement which we call the barefoot startup. And uh, the Barefoot Startup really uh, is about uh, starting your company up like if you were barefoot. You'd have to be a little more sensitive. You'd have to be a little more aware of what you're standing on. You know, are you standing on gravel or are you standing on glass? Are you standing on nails? You know, are you standing on soft grass? What are you standing on? Is it hot pavement? You know, what is your foundation? Yeah. And, you know, also staying nimble, being able to pivot and whatnot. So and also being in touch with the earth. And so for us, the barefoot startup is taking baby steps, learning how to walk before you run. It's just the opposite of what the VCs have been telling young people for the last 10 years, which is scale fast and scale, you know, uh, and fail fast. fast. You know, why scale to fail? You know, why not? Why not start slow? And, you know, let's let's call it a get rich slow scheme here. Okay, yeah, that's what it is. And you start slow and you learn your lessons and in a small place. And you just say, okay, I'm going to go to school here. I'm starting putting up my shingle. I'm going into business. Uh, and I expect to, you know, get my butt kicked over here and over there and fall on my face over here and over there. But I'm going to take notes. I'm going to take notes and I'm going to learn what not to do before I try to scale. And, and what we found is that that is great advice. So we put this together in, in this program we call, uh, the barefoot startup. And if you go to the barefootstartup.com, we have a great series of videos there that you can check out 
which is called the Barefoot Startups GPS, Guiding Principles for Success. And we deal with, you know, four aspects of business that everybody really needs to think about. Number one is why are you in business at all? Let's start there. If you're in business to build a business that will be acquired someday, well, that's going to change the whole way you keep books, the way you keep records, the way you deal with people, how you expand and everything else. What if you didn't think about that and you got started and you got halfway down the road and you went, oh, you know what? I think I want to sell this business. You know, it might be too late because you didn't set it up right. And then the next part is, is uh, cash flow management, you know, got to pay your bills, got to reduce your need for capital, then distribution management, got to get your product out there on the market, got to understand the hoops you got to jump through to make a sale. And then the last one is personnel management, you're going to be dealing with human beings, you're going to be hiring people, you're going to be delegating, how do you do that? How do you keep people from quitting your job and taking your customers and your know how with them? So those are the aspects of the Barefoot startup. And we use Barefoot because we started Barefoot Wine, and that's what we learned. So we learned our lessons the hard way. And, you know, young people don't have to. We're trying to give it to them. We're saying, here's 20 years worth of our hard knocks experience, and hopefully it'll keep you from a little, a few cuts and bruises. Yeah, I love it. Can you talk about some of those failures both of you had? And very, I always love hearing the stories of failures and, how, and what you learn from them. Well, Tayo, you'll love this one. <laughs> so we've, we've got a wine with a foot on it, right? It's a barefoot. Right. Well, where do you think there's the most bare feet running around the beaches? It's in Hawaii. <laughs> we said this is perfect for Hawaii. Half the <laughs> bars are called barefoot. And, you know, people love to get married there barefoot. We can sell the heck out of this product in Hawaii. Michael went over there. He negotiated an agreement with a distributor. And this was right when we first got started. And he rode around with the salespeople to all their accounts, the retail stores, the restaurants, the, and the, the bars, uh, the resorts. And he sold uh, the product at virtually every single place that he went into. Wow. Well, he came back. We're all so excited. Okay, so we're going to start smoking cigars and putting our feet up on the desk because we got it made, right? Well, we didn't get a reorder. Making a placement, it turns out to be the easy part. Getting the reorder isn't so easy. The retailer, he didn't care about getting a reorder. He'd forgotten about it. It was a new product. The salesman, he never asked for the reorder because somebody else, another brand, had given him, you know, a buck a case to get their product in there. He was glad ours had sold out because he uh, he had some empty space there that he could fill up. The distributor, we're just one of the thousand products he's got in the book. We didn't get a reorder. Michael went back there again, same story, came back, no reorder. He goes, well, I guess I'd better go back and see what's going on. I said, hold on. I said, look at this. This is how much it costs for each visit that you take there and here's how much we make which is you know a fraction of what it cost I said we're not going back and we didn't go back we got out of the market completely because it's much better to be a big hit in a small pond than no hit in a big pond you know you get a bad reputation so we pulled out until we could afford to have our own sales rep on our payroll go back there 
and work with the distributors, work with the retailers, and work with the community, our end users, supporting their nonprofits and community fundraisers, and making sure that our product did stay on the shelf. That was a full-time employee on our payroll that was watching the distributor and the retailer and the community. And that was uh, the biggest mistake and lesson that we learned. Wow. Wow. Anyone listening, please take note. That is... <laughs> those things happen a lot. A lot of times, I mean, I think we feel like we know more than we we uh, actually do. We know more than the market does. And um, it's interesting hearing the lessons from you as, as you recount that. But you've obviously bounced back, and in a big way. And now you've got this... Uh, this movement that, that, you, that you're helping with, you know, generations, uh, you know, a lot like mine and younger to become better leaders. And you're also tackling a mixture of soft and hard skills. You say it's barefootspirit.com and barefootstartup.com as well? That's right. The, the there's a T-H-E in front. Oh, yeah, the, the barefoot, barefoot, barefootspirit.com and the barefootstartup.com. We'll make sure we'll put that in the show notes. Before Thank we, you, Tayo. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I, love, I, love, I love the mission that, that you resonate with. Before um, we wrap up and get to those type of, uh, of um, ways people can reach out to you, I'm curious, as you look at the world today in terms of leadership, this is not even just business, in terms of leadership, what do you feel like is missing in our world today? Compassion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 Compassion. I, amen. You know, like the, this idea that somehow people are different from you and therefore uh, are not important or that you could turn your back uh, on, a, on a country like, you know, Puerto Rico, one of our possessions, an American possession, you know, basically turn your back on those people and say, oh, well, you know, these are. Uh, Latinos and they're bankrupt or whatever. <laughs> that's just that's just like racism and it's official. And I think it's really terrible that we have leaders today that are encouraging um, people with that kind of thinking to act out. You know, and I see it all the time. It really breaks my heart because, you know, uh, we've lived in this country now for you know sixty years plus. And uh, we've seen it get better. You know, every five or 10 years, it gets better. It gets better. You know, there's been, you know, more understanding, you know, between the races and between the national origins and the religions and everything else. And now we see less tolerance for discrimination. And so now you see this backward movement. You know, it can't it, it, it's got to hurt business. It ultimately will hurt our standard of living. There is no country in the world that is narrow-minded that has a high standard of living. You know, you have to accept anybody as your customer. You have to go out and, and be your brother's keeper. And uh, I, I really think that that's just plain good business. Well, well compassion is what's missing in the world. And uh, we, need to, we need to all collectively do a better job of understanding each other. Oh, interesting. No, love it, love it, love it. What are, what are the ways that people can reach out to you if they're interested? You can go to our website where you'll find our blogs, and that's www.thebarefootspirit.com. And you can sign up for those articles, and you can get them delivered to you on a weekly basis whenever they're coming out. So please do that. There's so much valuable information there, and we really want to share it. 
Absolutely. It's all it's all free too. All free. If it's free, it's for me. Uh, <laughs> but That's right. uh, I, I, I want to ask this. This question just came to mind. I'm curious. Do you two have routines? You've written over. You said in the last what two years you've written over 300 articles or so, something like that. And I, you know, how do you maintain that level of productivity? Because you're you're also international keynote speakers. You're New York Times bestselling authors. You you consult. And you write. <laughs> so how do you maintain Oh, no, I'm, I'm tired just hearing about all that. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it, it's about discipline. You know, four years ago, we made up our mind that we were going to uh, take, you know, the, what was between our ears and put it down on paper so other people could read it. I know these days everybody wants a 60-second video, and we're going to start doing that. We're going to start giving them 60-second videos. But uh, the fact is we have it all in writing, um, and the and the discipline to do it, it's like every week, like around Thursday or Friday or Saturday or Sunday, you know, I get up early one day, and I will write a blog post about something that we know that affects what's trending in the news right now or, you know, a way to look at things in a classic way to solve a problem that seems to be a modern problem. And then, of course, I kind of get it all out there. And then Bonnie makes it very uh, palatable. She's an excellent editor. So she takes it and turns it into a really good article. And uh, these articles are published uh, in the American Business Journals in 43 cities across the United States, and that's twice a month. And then once a month, we write for Entrepreneur, so that's happening. Our articles have appeared in places like Forbes and, you know, you name it. And so we're very, we're very uh, disciplined, I guess is the key word. It's like, you know, getting up and working out, right? It's what are you going to do today, see? And so we, we, we know that we have a deadline, and that deadline is every Thursday morning we put those articles, you know, like tomorrow is uh, Thanksgiving, but tomorrow at 10 o'clock New York time, our two articles will be posted on our shelf. <laughs> wow, love it, love it. Dedication, discipline, um, a vision to, to inspire, it's all there. So Thank you so much. The only, <laughs> the only thing I'd add to that, Tayu, is Michael and I love working together. We have a beautiful partnership. We're fortunate that we can have a romantic relationship and a business relationship and that they both work well. Um, and I love working with Michael. I love his ideas. I love taking his writings and and working with them and massaging them, making them more readable. <laughs> And um, it's fun. You've got to have fun if you're going to work your asses off like we do. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Fun is definitely there. And, and you know, you both have that rare, uh, you know, quality of actually, you know, being married and loving it and also working together and loving it. Sometimes some people say it breaks relationships, but it doesn't look like it's done that for you. It looks like it's strengthened yours. So uh, that's that's incredible to, to just observe. The um, last question I always ask my guests is this, you know, how do you use your difference to make a difference? Well, our difference is that we're, we're really in the boomer generation. And, you know, we grew up watching technology unfold. And so we saw all the changes in technology. We weren't born with a smartphone in our hand. 
but we are dealing with a generation that was born with a smartphone in their hand. And so they kind of look at us as commercials and say, oh, well, these people don't understand this or that. But they, they actually help us. The people that work with us are in that generation. And so our difference is that we're older. So we're using our older difference. Classic. To, yeah, we're <laughs> using the classic knowledge that we have to make a difference by giving the younger generation a big head start because they're going to learn what we learned. We were rebels too. We, yeah. we had the same problem with our parents that they have with the boomers. And <laughs> imagine. And so what did, you know, it's like the guy says, it's amazing how smart my father got in the last 10 years. Well, the thing is, he, he got smarter. And so that's how we're using our, our you know, difference to make a difference. We're helping. We're, we're, we're categorizing this stuff. We're, you know, memorializing this stuff. And we're handing it off to the next generation and say, here you go. This will help you zoom down the freeway. That is well said. I want to thank you, Michael, and I want to thank you, Bonnie, for both coming on here and dispensing your knowledge. Thank you for using your differences to make a difference. Thank you for encouraging our generation to be more and challenging us at the same time to to step out and, and get to know each other. I truly, truly appreciate that, and I'll make sure we'll put that in the show notes. Once again, we're talking to the authors of Barefoot Spirit, How Hardship, Hustle, and Heart Built America's Number One Wine Brand. They have a um, an amazing platform called uh, Barefoot. Uh, is it Barefoot Startup, right? The Barefoot Startup? That's it. Yeah. The Barefoot Startup. Yeah. Barefoot Startup, and that's thebarefootstartup.com. And also on their website is thebarefootspirit.com. They've got a wealth of resources and forms of content, and we'll make sure we point those links out there. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, Ty, this has been so much fun. It's been a blast. It's been a blast. It's very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Honestly, the pleasure is mine. Thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.